Reading today is Acts 19, starting to read verse 1. This version is from the NIV. Paul in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly malingered the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practised sorcery <clears throat> brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Eratus, to Macedonia, while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is John Bennett and I'm the vicar of the Cardigan Group of Churches. I used to live in Aberystwyth, uh, so I know Aberystwyth pretty well. 
As we begin, let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts, that you may be glorified in our lives. Amen. Well, we just heard that reading from Acts chapter 19, quite a long reading actually, and very interesting reading it is. The setting of Acts chapter 19 is of Paul's third missionary journey. At the end of his second journey, he ended up in Antioch in Syria, having been to Ephesus, where he promised he would return. And as he begins his third missionary journey, he sets off from Antioch and travels across land through Galatia and Phrygia, uh, parts of modern-day Turkey, and returns to Ephesus, where he asks a couple of good questions. It's really important, isn't it, to ask good questions. I was asked a good question once when I was working on a farm in Oxfordshire, and I went to this Christian house group meeting, and this guy came up to me after the meeting and he said, how close is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I confess I was a bit bowled over by that question. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but it certainly made an impact on me. In Acts chapter 2, we read of a good question as well. You may remember that Peter and the apostles had received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then Peter spoke to the crowds that were gathered in Jerusalem on that day. And he spoke to them about Jesus and about his death and his resurrection. And having spoken to the crowds, the people realised what they had done in killing Jesus. And they cried out, brothers, what shall we do? There's a good question. Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter answered, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter here highlights three things that are needed for us to become Christians and to be disciples of Jesus Christ. There's something for us to do, there's something for the church to do, and there's something for God to do. The thing for us to do is to repent and believe in Jesus, to turn away from all that's wrong in our lives. It's more than just saying sorry, it's a turning around, turning away from what is wrong and turning to Jesus and putting our trust in him, our belief in him. But there's something also for the church to do, which is baptism. We baptise sometimes infants and sometimes older people in the name of Jesus Christ. And in baptism, we believe that God does something. And it's symbolised by the water, the cleansing water. And also symbolised by death. We are baptised into the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the third thing is something for God to do. For it is God, of course, who brings forgiveness and healing. And it is God who fills us with his Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul arrived in Ephesus, he met some disciples for whom one of these three things was not in place. He asked two good questions. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. His questions and their responses led Paul to give some important teaching. 
The teaching is only recorded in the briefest terms. No doubt he said much more. But what is recorded is this. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Now, John's baptism, John the Baptist's baptism, was good as far as it went. It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He urged people to turn away from their sinful ways and to believe in the one who was to come. There was some understanding of forgiveness following repentance and baptism, a cleansing from sin symbolised by the washing in water. But it was limited in two ways. Firstly, there could be no real assurance of forgiveness, for John did not have the authority to forgive. It is only through Jesus and his sacrifice that we can be assured of forgiveness. That is why John the Baptist told people to believe in the one coming after him. Secondly, John's baptism was not accompanied by the Holy Spirit, except, of course, when Jesus himself was baptised, because the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. John the Baptist said, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so we read that these disciples were baptised into the name of Jesus. And as they were baptised, these two limitations of John's baptism were resolved. Firstly, they could understand baptism not just as symbolic of cleansing, but also symbolic of dying and rising with Christ. They were identifying themselves with the death and resurrection of Jesus, and so received complete assurance of forgiveness of sin and freedom from the power of sin. And secondly, they received the Holy Spirit. Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The book of Acts, or to give it its full title, the Acts of the Apostles, should probably be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, for that is what it is. It's an account of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. And that's what we see in this chapter, signs of the Holy Spirit at work. So what are some of the signs of the Holy Spirit that we see? As we consider this, we should note that the Holy Spirit is given not so much for warm, fuzzy feelings or ecstatic experiences, although we may indeed experience those things. I have myself. But the Holy Spirit is given for a purpose. Purpose is to equip us for ministry and mission of all God's people. So what do we see in this chapter? Well, firstly, we note that these disciples began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Tongues is a spiritual language that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is given to build up the body of Christ, especially when an interpretation is also given. And it may also be used in prayer, particularly when we don't know how to pray for a person or for a situation. It is not given to all Christians, and we certainly shouldn't think that if we don't speak in tongues, we don't have the Holy Spirit. 
but it is a gift that we can ask for. And also prophecy. Prophecy is not so much about foretelling, as in looking to the future, but forth-telling. It's not so much like the Old Testament prophets who spoke about the future coming of the Messiah. It's about the speaking of truth into people's lives, the truths of the kingdom into people's lives and into situations. So, for example, if we were to speak out against corruption corruption or injustice in a place of work, we would be telling forth the truths of the kingdom of God. We sometimes use the phrase speaking truth to power. That is prophecy. The Holy Spirit gives us the courage and the wisdom to speak truth to the powers of this world. A third area that we see in this chapter is witnessing. Before Jesus' ascension, he says to the apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And here in Acts 19, we see Paul witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit. He firstly goes to the synagogue where he argues persuasively about the kingdom of God. And when he was rejected there, he held discussions in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Perhaps this was a bit like a Christian basic course, something like an alpha course that Paul was doing. We read that this went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, we may not be an evangelist like Paul, but we need the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. The next thing we notice in this chapter is healing. Now, of course, there's many examples of healings in the book of Acts. For example, in chapter 3, Peter brings healing in the name of Jesus to the crippled beggar. And we see the Holy Spirit bringing healing through Paul in this chapter in some quite extraordinary ways. Even cloth that Paul has touched is taken to the sick and they are healed. We're reminded there of the woman with the hemorrhage who reached out and touched the cloak of Jesus. And as she touched his cloak, she was healed. We should not be afraid to pray for healing of the sick in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. God does not always heal as we may like, but he delights to hear our prayer and to respond. And finally, in this chapter, we see the Holy Spirit being gro- bringing growth in the people to make them more like Jesus. The catalyst for this seems to be when some Jews invoked the name of Jesus to drive out evil spirits. Because they weren't believers, it rather backfired on them as a man with the evil spirit overpowered them and gave them a good beating. And because of this, we read that people were seized with fear and held the name of Jesus in high honour. This incident really made the believers see that they could, they had to be wholehearted in following Jesus. They couldn't hold on to the old ways of the world and the ways of the kingdom together. They had to make the choice. 
And the Holy Spirit brought this to light in a movement of true repentance as Christians confessed their evil ways and burned their pagan scrolls. Likewise, we should be open to the Holy Spirit bringing to light things in our lives that are hidden so that through repentance we may become more like Jesus. Now there's so much more that the Holy Spirit does, but these are some of the things that we see in this chapter. Speaking in tongues, prophecy, witnessing, healing and growing in the likeness of Christ. I wonder, do you want more of the Holy Spirit? All we need to do is ask. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit isn't given because we are making great spiritual strides. It's not given because we're having a really good prayer life. It's not given because we're reading the Bible regularly or going to church every Sunday. It's given simply out of God's grace when we ask him. So let's ask him now. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit and for the work that your Holy Spirit does in and through us. We come to you now and say, come, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. In the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.